0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Dr. Susan Landers about avoiding burnout and the importance of supporting mental wellness in the workplace. Dr. Susan Landers, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: Yeah, I am excited to have this conversation with you today. We're going to be focusing on burnout in the workplace, how we can avoid burnout, and really the importance of supporting mental wellness in the workplace as a leader for ourselves and for our team. As we get started, I wanted to share Susan's bio with everybody. Dr. Susan Landers is a neonatologist, at pediatrician with extra training in the care of sick and premature babies. After attending Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama, Dr. Landers graduated in 1973 and received two BS degrees in biology and chemistry. She attended medical school at the Medical University of South Carolina in Charleston. After completing medical school, she completed three years of pediatric residency training at the University of Texas Southwestern Medical School in Dallas, Texas. Next, she completed three years of neonatal fellowship at Baylor College, of medicine-affiliated hospitals in Houston, Texas. She practiced academic neonatology for 14 years and private practice neonatology for 18 years. While caring for patients full-time in private practice, she served as a speaker for the Texas Department of State Health Services. She was the medical director of the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin and served on the Milk Bank's Board of Directors. Additionally, she served on the executive committee of the section of breastfeeding for the AAP. Together with her husband, Dr. Philip Berry, she raised three children, one son and two daughters. Her family resides in Austin, Texas. And you can find more about her on her website at SusanLandersMD.com. What a wonderful background. Anything else you would like to add by way of your your professional background, your personal background, to provide context for the conversation today?
1: Well, you covered everything beautifully. I do want to add that um, even though I've done lots of different things, I was mainly a NICU doctor. Neonatal intensive care units are ICUs for babies. And for 34 years, I practiced in a NICU and there was a lot of critical care going on there. Premature babies, sick newborns, excuse me, um, newborns with birth defects. And so the reason that we're talking today, I think, is that over my long year, I had lots of night call, lots of weeks with when I, in which I worked 60 hours, lots of emotional stress. You know, sometimes little babies die in the NICU, and you have to deal with the parents and the families. Um, and I did fine. For the first 30 or so years of my career, I managed to use my resilience and use some techniques for self-care that I had learned along the way. And I stayed um, healthy. And it was not until my early 60s that I began to feel physically exhausted even a 50-hour work week would would tire me out and I used to work six regularly night all felt so onerous going into the hospital I just dreaded it and then I noticed more emotional exhaustion some of the cases were just so sad and so much trouble and there was conflict about when care was futile and when it was not. And so I noticed, those, things, but they weren't that different from what I had seen off and on in the NICU in prior years. What was different is that I became detached from my patients, John. I actually felt like I was disengaged from them. You know, I, I, I didn't go up to the mothers and talk to them as much. I didn't say, how are you doing? Tell me how things are going. And then I noticed, the final thing I noticed was a sense that I wasn't making any difference. Now, medicine is a career, like others, where people do it because it makes them feel really good, really fulfilled. There are lots of jobs in which people feel fulfilled, but medicine is just the diamond in the sky, I think, because you make people, people feel better. And when you heal a little baby and when you take care of a little baby in the NICU for four or five months and you're at their delivery and then you, you see them go home, there's no better feeling in the world. That's the ultimate of being fulfilled, being that part of a family, being intimate with a family. And at the very end, I felt like I wasn't making any difference. And when you lose that self-efficacy, that is when burnout is indisputable. So I think the reason we're talking today is because of my personal experience with burnout and because I've been doing some writing about burnout, I think it's really important as you do to get these issues out on the t- table because modern day workers are experiencing burnout in lots of different fields.
0: Yeah, and, and just to put a fine point on this, and I, I'm really excited uh, to have this conversation generally, but also recognizing that with first responders, healthcare professionals, um, nursing, uh, medicine, the NICU, all of these things, right? Th- this was a challenging profession, a challenging place to be pre pandemic. It's, it's even been, been more challenging during the pandemic. And we know that, generally speaking, across uh, the US, for example, that we've seen heightened levels of anxiety, stress, uh, depression, burnout. All of these things have increased over the last 20 plus months, um, and, and more so within the healthcare field. Uh, yes. And I, I do a lot of research in the employee engagement and satisfaction space, you know, the motivations of employees. And what's always been interesting to me, uh, if you look at job satisfaction, for example, uh, what's always been interesting to me is that there's a disproportionate amount of academic literature on job satisfaction within the healthcare care uh, industry, particularly within nursing um, and in places like Yars or NICU's. Or things like that, and it's because it's such a taxing, challenging type of a place to be, and burnout rates are so high. And so, lots of medical systems and hospitals are trying to figure out how can we reduce burnout, how can we increase job satisfaction, how can we attract and retain good people, right? Um, mm. All of that's so important. And so, right. uh, for that for that reason, I think zooming in on this within your experiences is, is going to be very helpful today. And and I agree. I, I think um, once we disconnect ourselves from a broader meaning and purpose and we're not getting fulfillment from mm-hmm. the work that we do whether we're working construction in a factory uh teaching you know working in the medical field whatever whatever the job whatever the field if you're not feeling some sense of fulfillment and meaning and purpose and that you're contributing through what you're doing um burnout tends to be high especially when it's a it's a highly emotionally taxing type of a field to be in
1: exactly I, too, have been reading quite a bit about burnout in uh, doctors, nurses, respiratory therapists, emergency medical technicians, and teachers. The teaching profession is getting hit really hard. And what people need to understand about burnout is that it affects absenteeism. It affects the quality of care, the performance. It affects, you mentioned anxiety and depression. People who are burned out go home and drink and smoke or smoke weed or do something that is a poor coping mechanism. When I was burned out, I would go home and have a couple of glasses of wine every night. The wrong thing to do. Um, they give a poor quality of care in medicine and they actually um, leave the field early. of nurses have left the field during this pandemic. Uh, Some have entered into traveling nurse um, positions. Some have just quit early. My daughter works as a PICU nurse, pediatric ICU nurse, and the traveling nurses come in, the hospitals hire them. They pay them more than the regular staff who stayed there. And the traveling nurses don't know the unit so they don't get the sicker patients and they don't, may not do as good of a job and the regular people who've stuck it out are having to work harder and orient the travelers. So it affects everybody, those who get burned out and leave those who move to a different area of work those who stay and try to grin and bear it it affects everybody and absenteeism in the early retirement in medicine is going to affect you and your generation as you age there will not be enough physicians to take care of all the gen z's and all the millennials as they
0: and and out. i appreciate yeah and i appreciate you mentioning the the Jessica brennan barrett um kind of comment it it's interesting, you know. A lot of times we hear things like that—just um, grin and bear it, um, resilience—which I am a big believer in. We want to be resilient, and we we want to learn how to do hard things and to <laughs> find healthy coping mechanisms and all of that. But just saying, just grin and bear it, or or essentially being being dismissive of people's challenges and lived experiences and say just get over it, um, isn't helpful. I have, no. I have one friend, one friend years ago. Who was battling it this wasn't in relation to the medical field at all but she was battling um depression and anxiety and a family member you know when she said she was going to counseling and getting medication a family member said you know scoffingly why don't you just go to home depot buy some materials build a bridge and get over it um as, as if it was no. just something she could just choose to be done with right um and we that's harsh, right? But we we hear those sorts of things in the workplace. Yeah, we do um, all too frequently when people say, you know, check your emotions at the door, check your personal life at the door. Um, when you're at work, just work and and don't let that other stuff bleed in. And that's just not the way it works. No. Um, and and it goes the other way too. I can't just, especially if I'm in a in an area where I'm experiencing trauma on a daily basis. I can't just leave work and go home and automatically turn it off. Like it bleeds, right. it bleeds both ways. And so we have to be mindful of that as leaders, uh, be more considerate of our people who might be struggling, um, not fall into the trap of saying those sorts of dismissive and demeaning types of comments, even if we don't intend to, to be hurtful in any way. Uh, and then we need to be more proactive about dealing with the, the challenges people are facing. and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations.
1: Yeah, just grin and bear it is something that uh, doctors learn when they're interns. And it's part of the reason that physicians are not getting the help they need um, and not admitting that they're burnout or that they need therapy or just some sort of counseling, some sort of peer support. Um, Just grin and bear it is the opposite of what we need to do. As leaders, we need to say, talking about that really difficult case that just came in, talking about that horrible outcome sitting together as a team and saying this really sucks man everybody feels bad because we lost that patient and we tried so so hard to keep that patient alive it affects the nurses the respiratory therapists the doctors everyone and when a leader allows the whole team to talk about their feelings and to say yeah that that was awful we really lost that one or we blew that one. <clears throat> I'm not sure how it would work in other professions, but there are always gonna be failures that teams experience, not death maybe, but, but failures. And, and if a team cannot talk about what went wrong, how to prevent it from going wrong again, um, how it affected your feelings, how much you carried that failure home with you on your shoulders and how much you went and used abnormal coping to try to deal with it at home. Um, We've got to change that whole notion, the stigma that talking about, excuse me, the stigma that talking about anxiety or depression or burnout Is wrong that we should keep that hidden. We should not keep those things hidden. Those things are very important. Some people are going to need paid leave to deal with these sorts of symptoms. Some workers will have to adjust their schedules. They'll have to get more flexibility. They'll have to say, I really need to cut my hours back right now. Some workers will say, I've got to have more than a four day weekend. I need Two weeks, I am burnt to a crisp, or two months. I mean, in world, if you're burnout, you should have six months off. It took me two years to recover when I was burnout. I was working part at a real low risk delivery setting, taking care of normal mothers and babies. And I was doing the things that were making me feel better, but it took me literally two years to feel better. That's with therapy, psychotherapy, exercise regularly, music. I was playing the piano again, friendships. I was going out to eat with friends once a week. And um, what else was I doing? Cross-stitch, creative process that allowed still and think through things. So I was doing everything right to fix my burnout. And it took me a long time to recover.
0: Yeah. Keep, and in, keep
1: in mind that I had 30 years to, to, to build up this much burnout. But my right. point is, go away overnight, away in a long week.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and there really are so many different causes for the burnout and it's not a one size fits all kind of a thing. So it's not like I can just um, it, it's not necessarily easy to see uh, if, if we're not um, regularly communicating with our people and, and having a good relation, a good relationship of mutual accountability and trust where we can share with each other. Right. Um, that's essential um, because the causes are many and and they are different based on the person and their circumstances. Um, But what we know for sure is that there's a lot of negative long-term impacts on individual health, lots of negative impacts on, uh, from the organizational standpoint, productivity and efficiencies. And, um, you know, when someone's burned out, a lot of times um, quality of care or quality of performance decreases.
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: things Things get missed innovation decreases, like all of these things for all the reasons why an organization might be interested beyond just the like treating people well, Right. (laughs) Um, it's, you know, it really is a bottom line kind of an issue for businesses that they need to be paying close attention to. And I also note, I need to look it up, but uh, because during the COVID time, my my frame of reference in terms of time is all whacked. Um, (laughs) I I can't remember like when things happened exactly. But pre-pandemic, it, it, I think it was only maybe six months before the pandemic, um, there there was an, uh, I'm not sure if it was an executive order or just kind of a, uh, an administrative policy announcement, um, essentially saying that burnout was going to be considered part of the Americans with Disabilities Act uh, and would be covered. And really? that's a tremendous thing. That's great. I, I I'm sure it's going through the courts and I'm sure that you know, people are wrestling with what does that actually mean? But, um, but yeah, it's, it, that's hugely important because, because it really is, um, you know, a, a really impactful thing that affects so many right. people in our labor force.
1: One thing I, I do want to point out that a lot of people get confused. Burnout is a work-related syndrome. Major depression is different, this a lot of the symptoms are shared but major depression affects all aspects of your life your mood is depressed your sleep is affected your hunger is affected your productivity is affected and it really has nothing to do with work it affects all all your relationships burnout is specifically initiated in the workplace and it is so significant that The physician suicide rate is the highest suicide rate of any group of workers in the country. And a lot of that is stuffing those feelings down, not admitting that we're in trouble, not admitting we're stressed, not admitting we're pushed to the edge. And and I think that's gonna be transferable to other professions if we do not start talking about mental health and mental wellness and workplace culture, we will continue to see burnout. The pandemic has made everything worse and that's why it's so obvious. But if we don't take this opportunity to make workplace culture better, burnout's not gonna go away.
0: Yeah, that's right. So, in, in our last few minutes together, let's let's talk about that a little bit more. Um, how we can go about supporting mental wellness in the workplace to reduce things like burnout and to increase the positive, you know, environment for our employees to to be able to thrive. How do we go about doing that as leaders? Well,
1: uh, Stanford has uh, done some research and suggested that having a wellness champion in the workplace is a good idea The AMA has done lots of surveys and there are surveys available, just quick 10 item surveys, not the 50 item like inventory. We survey our employees once a year. We have a wellness officer. We talk to our people. We ask for their input. We ask them about workflow. We ask about communication. We talk to them about how the help they're getting in in private physician offices, the physician should not be faxing things on their computer. The medical assistant should be faxing things or the secretary. Some people suggest huddling. I didn't like huddling in the NICU, but that's the that's the notion that you get your manager, every worker and every assistant all together and every day and you say this is what we're going to do today is everybody clear. Some people say huddling is a a good idea. Uh, Flexible schedules. We've got to have flexible schedules. If someone is over the edge, they need to go away for a few days and somebody else is going to have to come in and fill their slot. Data is important. One thing I learned in working with quality improvement with physicians is that they don't believe there are problems unless you have data to show their problems, whether it's birth injury or whether it's c-sections or whatever you're studying so all workplaces must survey their workers they have they do monitor activity they do monitor output and they need to look at those data on a yearly basis and workers need to know that they have a leader to go to who believes in wellness health mental health and wellness You're not going to go talk to someone if you think they're a grin and bear it kind of boss. Who's going to go talk to that kind of boss? You're going nowhere. You might as well grin and bear it. So there are many things that we could do in the workplace to make things better for people. If you sit down a group of workers, whether it's nurses, physicians, residents, respiratory therapists, and you say how do you guys think things would work better here in the NICU at night? They all have a comment. They all have something to say, say, oh, we could do this a little quicker. We could do this a little better. We could tweak it here and tweak it there. I mean, people care about their work. They all have input and good ideas and leaders are going to have to listen to these ideas, accommodate the workers who need some time off if they're, getting fried.
0: Yeah, very well said, Susan. It has been a pleasure. I know at the time it has flown by and I need to let you go here in just a minute. Um, So many great um, tips there and and so much uh, wonderful perspective that you share based on your long career. Before we close today, anything else you would like to share with listeners by way of your background, um, where they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your book, uh, anything else like that, and then give us the final word on the topic for today
1: oh thank you um my website is susanlandersmd.com i have a blog there i uh, am also a speaker and i can be contacted there i wrote a book recently when i retired it's called so many babies my life balancing a busy medical career and motherhood i'm really passionate about working mothers because i think they're getting fried right now too the pandemic has really done a job on working mothers. You know, they're at, they're at home with remote learning, they're at home with their jobs, they're, whether their husband helps or not, we could talk for another hour about that situation. And of course, they've got all the pressure from work that you and I have just been talking about. <clears throat> so I would love for people to, who are interested in NICU stories and working mother stories To check out my book because I think there's a message there for working mothers. Um, Let's see the final word on burnout. Mental health is important. Mental wellness and mental health are important and it's okay to talk about feeling bad when something goes wrong.
0: Well said. I, I, I do think we need to be able to talk about this more openly. Uh, just make it a part of the regular dialogue that happens in the workplace, and with you know between leaders and their people, members of their team, uh, just like any other performance conversation that may occur. That we need to be talking regularly about mental wellness in the workplace and burnout mm-hmm. and other related issues. Susan, it has been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what uh, Susan and Uh, her, her team can do for you. Check out her book. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership, ordinary everyday actions that produce extraordinary results.